evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof, and all the people that we saw in it are men of a great stature. And there we saw the giants, the son of Hanak, which come of the giants, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. And that's what I want to preach tonight is grasshopper. Grasshopper. Look at your neighbor and say grasshopper. <laughs> grasshopper. Lord, we thank you for your blessing and your goodness and your word. We ask that you would direct us tonight as we give to you praise. We ask all these things in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. you can be seated. Sigmund Freud was a psychologist, and in his study of psychoanalysis, he taught a very popular form of psychology that all forms of mental illness were rooted in unconscious childhood conflicts. And he was one of the most prominent psychologists, so he had a great influence. However, some years later, Aaron Beck had the audacity to suggest that a psychiatrist could actually talk directly to patients about what was bothering them and their thoughts and that their self-talk could be the target of therapy. The reason why he said this was important, self-talk was important. I don't know how many of you talk to yourself. Uh, be honest, if you do, raise your hand and keep it up. All right, yeah, okay. You can kind of get away with it nowadays a little more because nobody knows if you have an earbud, if you have ear pods, and you're talking on the phone. So now you hear somebody talking, you don't think much of it because you know sometimes you carry on a conversation with them and they're on the phone because they've got ear pods and they're talking. And so it's not quite as, as, as noticed before all of that when you were just talking to yourself. But self-talk is something that Aaron Beck said can be beneficial. And this insight, was because he said turmoil and trouble can lead to different subjective interpretations. Subjective means that it's something that happens within a person's own perspective. Objective is just it's fact. And you can't argue with the fact of it. It's objective. But subjective, you look at the facts and you can look at things and create in your mind your own opinion about it. And there are different interpretations. And it's those interpretations that can give rise to our feelings and our behavior. And this is now known as cognitive behavioral therapy. And its purpose is to treat depression and other psychological maladies by helping patients think more objectively and behave in healthier ways. No matter what our childhood suffering may be, we can learn to observe our own negative talk and we can change our behavior in the way that we think. And it becomes something that can be a skill. And it can prove that it lasts longer than any antidepressant medication when you start feeding yourself positive thoughts. Don't ever say to yourself, well, I'm just stupid. If you say that long enough, you'll think that you're stupid and you'll create a subjective interpretation about yourself. Or how about this? Maybe somebody has told you that and now you've taken that on yourself and you're repeating that and that is a negativity. That is something that you need to eradicate out of your life. You need to square your shoulders and say, I can do better. I am not dumb. I can open myself to become better and I can talk to myself 
myself and I can talk myself into understanding that I can be a better person. If you're always walking around with negativity and you're talking to yourself and it's all of negativity, it's not going to help you. And this is not something that is just connected to the world of psychology. This is absolutely a scriptural mandate that we need to use the word of God to help us perceive things in our life and speak to those things from the word of God that is going to help us be better than what we are right now. I'm pursuing something tomorrow. I can be better tomorrow. Stop saying I'm always going to be this way. No, you don't have to say that. You can say I've still got breath to breathe. I've still got life in me. And therefore every single day is an opportunity to be better. You need to say it emphatically and say it often. Henry Ford, that great manufacturer of vehicles, said whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. If you think you can, you're right. If you think you can't, you're right. You're not going to be able to do it in either case if that's what you're thinking. How do you think may become how your enemy thinks? I don't believe that the devil can read our thoughts. This is why the scripture said, cast down every imagination. He doesn't have the ability to read our thoughts, but he can read what comes out of your mouth. And if what comes out of your mouth is something that he can use as leverage, he will use it against you. People don't like me. And so then the devil will get in and use that as leverage. See, people don't like you. Nobody likes you. Nobody shook your hand. And if they did shake your hand, they really didn't mean it. And then the devil gets into your worldview and into your mentality and he drags you down into a state of depression. You gotta speak positive things. You gotta speak things out of the word of God that is anointed and brings strength, not negativity, not depressing stuff, but positive, powerful stuff that is anointed. How you think may become how your enemy thinks. So grasshopper this, this verse says that these spies that went into the land, they viewed themselves as grasshoppers. They created an interpretation that was subjective. And so in their mind, which was a, a, a fixed thing, the minute you say something like that, you close yourself off and there is no opportunity to move forward because you have paralyzed yourself with what you are saying. Well, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place here tonight because I know this is how the enemy operates. You'll never be anything because you were abused when you were a child and so you need to carry that around with you your entire life. No. No, that is not true. What is true is that God can take that circumstance and he can make a huge change in your life and you can overcome that and you can have a testimony that can help somebody else. Praise God, praise God. Well, I'll always be an alcoholic. No, you don't have to always be an alcoholic. I went to AAA for years. It's time for you to get out of AAA if the Holy Ghost is operating in your life because God has put something into your spirit that is greater than any addiction. Come on, church. Do we really believe that? Is God able to liberate and free people from addiction? Absolutely. <laughs> you failed, so you're always going to be a failure. So you ought to walk around and all you should talk about is your failure and all the stuff that you got involved in and the dysfunction and you should just be like a pig in a pig pen and wallow around in all the dirt and the muck and the junk and the stuff. No, that is not of God. Yes, you did fail, but God wants to know what are you going to do with the failure? Are you going to get out of the pig pen? Are you going to go back to the Father's house? Are you going to get in a place where God can develop you and there can be a maturation of God's mercy in your life? That's where I want to go. That's what I want to do. Our language can expose our bias. Oh, man, this is, this is really good stuff. This is one of the reasons why Bible quizzing is so very important. Because you know what it teaches children? It teaches children to put within their mentality the word of God. And, and when you run into stuff that you don't, know, you don't have an answer for, you speak the word of God, and the word of God is never a negative 
it is always a net gain, not a net loss. And so when you run into difficulty and you've got the word of God, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. When the word of God starts coming out of your mouth, there is a power, there is an authority, and it has an ability to do the work all on its own. What are the spiritual ramifications if we start down-talking ourselves like the spies that went into the land? God has taken them out of Egyptian bondage and slavery with, the scripture said, a mighty hand. And his glory is revealed as he takes down every single god of the pantheon, every single plague that came to the Egyptians had to do with the way that they viewed everything. It was God saying, I'm greater than these things. I'm more powerful than these things. And so with a mighty hand, he brings them out of Egyptian bondage and he brings them to the borders of the promised land. And he sends in 10 spies and he says, go spy out the land and bring back a report. And when they come back, the 10 come back to give a report Eight of them say, we can't do it because we're like a grasshopper in their sight. And two of them say, we are well able to take the land. That's pretty sad. 20% say we can. 80% say we can't. And I think if you look at those percentages overall, generally, that's about the percentages that take place in a group setting. 20% say we can. And 80% say, well, I don't know if we can or not. We need to flip that. And it needs to be 80% that say we can. We are well able. If there's 20% that don't think we can, that's okay. But 80%, we're going to have revival. We can take the land. God gave to us a promised land. Let's go. Let's move. We can do it. What are the spiritual ramifications? Well, if you speak the language of the world, you speak the language of negativity. Stop and think about this. What? You can't say newspaper anymore because there are no newspapers. Well, I guess there is, but it's not much of a newspaper. I don't know. They still put out the Bakersfield, California? I had it for a while, but it kept getting thinner and thinner and thinner to the point where it's like, this is crazy. <clears throat> but what news site, what, what do people put in the news feed? It's all the negativity. And I can, if you look at it percentage-wise, 80% of all the news is negative. There might be 20% that talks about good things. But people say, well, how in the world can you allow your son and daughter-in-law to be in Mexico? There's gangs down there, and there's violence, and it's terrible. And, and aren't you scared to death? Listen, if you were in Mexico and you were getting the news about Bakersfield, you'd be scared to death to come to Bakersfield because it's one of the most violent cities in the entire United States. It's a matter of perspective. It's how you think. And the news is always pushing 80% negativity and 20% may filter through. And so what happens, this becomes a burden and this becomes a weight. Now I want to say something about social media. And when I say social media, now I'm talking about everything. Way back in the day, we said TV. You can't, if you say TV now, you are like 1960s or 70s. There is no such thing as TV anymore. Everything comes through your phone, social media, streaming, Netflix, Amazon Prime, and everything else. And then the news sites are pushing all their stuff, and Instagram's pushing all of its stuff. And then if you're not careful and you're just going through reels, you're seeing movie clips and everything else, you better be careful with what you allow and what you spend so much time on because it can become a distraction. And if you got in your feet, now some of you have said, you know what, I'm not even going to do that. And I applaud that. We need to give a hand clap to everybody that says, I'm not going to participate in social media. Nobody should downplay that decision. But for those that you do, you need to monitor and manage that. Because if you're not careful and you got stuff in your feed, you're looking at one negativity after another negativity. It doesn't matter if it's Fox News, Washington Examiner, or any other kind of news site. It's all the negativity stuff. And so here I am feeding myself that every single day. And if, not, if I'm not careful, that's the first thing I do when I awaken. 
And I start looking at that, and now I'm setting myself up to have a bad, bad day. You know what's better? It's to open the Word of God. You know what's better? It's to think upon the Word of God instead of the negativity. And so pretty soon, you're... You're ingesting all of this negativity, and you're not going to have a good day. You're going to have to plow through every single subjective interpretation about your reality because what you are seeing. I want to preach to somebody. We need to recognize. We've got to manage everything that comes into our eyes, and we need to turn the tables on something that is very, very powerful, and we need to say no when it's time to say no, and we need to be involved in the kingdom of God and the work of God. Otherwise, we'll get distracted. We will absorb so much negativity, and it will have a spiritual impact on our life. And instead of growing, we will digress. Romans chapter 5 and verse number 1 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also. Knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. Not being ashamed, oh, I can't do it. Oh, no, they're too big. The, the obstacles are too big. No, not that. But hope that says God is a God that can carry us through every valley, carry us over every mountain, carry us through every wicked environment, carry us through every spiritual attack. Come on, church, you got to start talking positive. you got to start talking revival. I'm having revival. God's doing great things. The anointing of God is in my life. I feel the power of God today on my job. I feel the anointing of God in my school and a part of my occupation. God's doing great things. You got to speak it. You got to talk it. It's got to come out of your mouth so that the enemy cannot use that as leverage. He goes around as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. The scripture said that we have to stand therefore we have to resist the devil and he will do what? Flee. Don't bring him in. Sit down and have some tea and spill all the tea. And talk all the tea. Oh, Holy Ghost, help me here. Got a little quiet there. We're really good at that. Let's go have a uh, let's go have a coffee and talk about the tea. What's going on over there? Who's doing what? Why are they doing that? My goodness, you know what you need to start doing? Shutting that down and saying, "My, did you see Sister So and So? She's come a mighty long way, and God's doing amazing things in her life. Did you know Brother So and So is preaching a revival, and God is breaking out in that family, and it's powerful and it's anointed. If we're not careful." We do a deep dive in the negative, and we don't focus on the positive. How about we focus on the positive and look for good things and the glory of God and the greatness of God? Somebody clap your hands, and let's thank the Lord for every good thing that God is doing. Praise God. Micah chapter 7 and verse number 8. Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. That's what you need to speak. How many has had a failure? All right, there's some of you that are perfect. Praise God. Come talk to me after service and let's talk about <laughs> I want to know what you're doing. What should come out of my mouth? Focusing on the failure or reading verses like that? Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. For when I fall, I shall rise. <laughs> when I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. Hallelujah. I may be presently in darkness, but he's coming. He's coming. And what he's bringing is light. And light is going to push out every bit of darkness out of the recesses and out of the corners. And God's going to completely transform things. I'm speaking the right things. I'm resolving to make tomorrow better. I'm persevering. I'm relying on the power of God to help me get up again. These are the things that you need to speak. Romans chapter 8 and verse number 37. Nay, and all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers... 
nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. You see the power that is in that? There is nothing that can come between me and Jesus Christ. And he declares upon me that I am more than a conqueror. Yeah, Pastor, you don't know what I've been dealing with. I'm coming to the church tonight, and I don't feel much like a conqueror. All right, I get that, but let's go to the word. How about we go to the word? All right, let's accept the fact that you don't feel like you're a conqueror. But this passage of scripture says that you are more than a conqueror. So let's follow the scripture more than we follow our own feelings and our own emotions and our own opinions. Because the scripture is going to bring to us a strength. That if you take that tonight, you can walk walk out of this building strengthened you can walk out of this building encouraged when you came and you felt like your face was on the carpet you can stand up and walk out of here with your shoulders squared back because you're speaking the right things I refuse to be a grasshopper I'm going to be a Caleb and a Joshua that says we can take the land we are well able to do it feel the holy, I just feel like, man, I feel like a gunslinger walking into the old western town, and it's a dusty street, and there he is, he's coming the other way, and he's the devil, I want to throw something on him and tell him, you've accused people, and you have tried your very best to push them down into depression, but the word of God is here in this place tonight, pointing at you, and telling you that you are more than a conqueror. Somebody just lift your hands and thank the Lord that God sees you differently than we see ourselves sometimes. I feel pretty fast tonight. <laughs> sometimes we kind of fumble around, but tonight I'm, I'm, I'm feeling pretty... What makes a just man? According to this passage of scripture, what makes a just man in this verse that we just read in Proverbs is the one who gets up. That's a just individual. Much can be said here about what you say to yourself or what others say to you. just man is one who gets up. Rejoice not against me, O my enemy, for when I fall, I shall rise. But being a just individual is what do you do with your struggle? This is my pastoral theology, personal, patho personal uh, pastoral theology that really shapes everything I do in terms of ministry is not to blast people when they have failures because if you can't accept that, don't get involved in pastoral ministry because everybody has failures. Praise God. You need to nudge your neighbor and say, thank God for a pastor that's not going to beat me over the head for my failures. That's pretty cool because that's not the case in all places. Sometimes there are people that will use your failures and they'll mark it down in their black book. And then they'll control you or subjugate you because whenever you want to express yourself, they'll say, oh, yeah, wait a minute, wait a minute, right here. Third line, right there. You made a mistake right here. And you need to just sit down and zip it. <clears throat> yeah, I know that because we have some people in our church that have been under leadership that came to God out of that. And they're so appreciative. There was a person that came here. They weren't apostolic. They came from a different background. And I just wanted to go to lunch with them and talk about stuff. And so they, they, they came to the lunch like a cat on a tin roof, hot tin roof. You have to put the hot part in there. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And so I'm trying to figure out why you're sweating. And I finally said, what is, what is the deal? It took the whole conversation and the whole lunch to get to the understanding of why that was their approach. And the reason for that is because in their past experience, every time the pastor wanted a meeting or wanted a lunch or wanted to talk, it had to do with berating them and down-talking to them and, and calling them on every insignificance and failure and 
and fed on their insecurities. And so they thought, this is what's coming. This is what's coming. And, and then at the end of the lunch, I had a nice lunch. I ate every bit of my lunch. They didn't eat any of their lunch because they were so nervous. I don't want to operate that way. My mentality is this. That's not a license to go do crazy stuff and say, well, pastor, <laughs> he said it's okay to be a failure. That's, that's not what I'm talking about here. We should all strive to be the best that we can be. But somehow life has a weird way of knocking us left and right, and then we get involved in stuff that we didn't realize how we got here, and now there's all kinds of stuff that control us, and, and we can get involved in a lot of things that really turn us all completely around, and we make mistakes. But what I really want to know is what are you going to do with the mistake? What are you going to do with the failure? Are you going to get back up and keep living for God? Are you going to check out? If you check out, there's nothing that I can do. But if you stay, I'm willing to get up and I'm willing to move forward. Man, I'm right beside you, right behind you. I'll encourage you, pray for you, and believe that God's going to do great things in your life. Bob Beal, in his book, Master Planning, tells a conversation he had with a man who trained animals for Hollywood movies. And he asked the man, how is it that you can stake down a 10-ton elephant with the same size stake that you used to restrain this baby elephant? How is it that you can keep a baby elephant with this stake and then this 10-ton elephant that can push over trees won't go anywhere because he's tied to the stake? It's easy, said the trainer. When they are babies, we stake them down. They try to tug away from the stake countless times before they realize they can't get away. At that point, the elephant memory takes over and for the remainder of their lives, they remain convinced that they can't get away from the stake. God's not interested in tying you to a stake. He's interested in liberating you from the stake and doing great things in the kingdom of God. Praise God. You need to move forward. You need to move passionately forward. I don't care if your mistake is huge or if it's small. It really doesn't matter. And be very, very careful here. Don't start categorizing sins and say, well, they did that, but it's not as great as that. Sin is sin. It doesn't matter if it's over here or anywhere on the continuum. If God has forgiven you of that, thanks be to God. We need to give God praise. We're not using that to judge you. We're using that to build you up. You know why? We serve a big God. As musicians come here tonight and we get our people ready for baptism, you can make your way out the back and come around. Actually, you can go around that way. The problem with the spies is that they lost proper perspective by comparing themselves with others. I, maybe for some of you, you don't realize this. If you are parents, you, you need to listen to me, what I'm saying right here. And I don't know what adjustments you have to make or what you need to do. Time limitations, time management, all of that. One of the greatest powers presently in our culture is the comparison problem. One of the reasons suicide rates among young people is going so very, very high, and more for girls than boys, is because social media is such a comparative analysis that people don't feel like they measure up and they want to take their life. There is great, great power there. And so if you're a parent, you need to be really, really, really careful with the amount of time your younger teenagers spend but it's beyond social media. It's just the common thing of comparing ourselves. The spies were intimidated by the Canaanite people. They said they're giants. They're devouring people who would destroy them in battle. And when we, this is really good. I want you to listen to me. When we compare ourselves with others, we typically fall into one of two ditches. We either think too highly of ourselves by finding others we judge less than ourselves or we think too lowly of ourselves by finding others we judge higher than ourselves. And so we fall in the ditch on both sides because we're comparing ourselves. Comparing myself to you because you don't have the same status and therefore I'm superior to you.
And now I have a pride issue. That's dangerous. That's one ditch. And then the other ditch is, I'm so lowly, I don't measure up to who you are, and so I'm comparing myself to that. And that's another ditch. Where does my validation come from? Where am I getting my validation from? Am I getting it from Hollywood, social media, and everything else, online stuff? Is that what I'm looking to to get my validation and definition? No, I'm getting my validation through Jesus Christ, and he's the one that defines who I am. And when I get in the notion of a grasshopper, ultimately, I start rejecting God's view of me because God does have a view of me. God loves me. All of my quirks and insecurities and insignificance or pride and arrogance, God loves who I am, and he went to the utter ends of the earth to die for me and let me know you're a child of God. That's who I should be comparing myself and viewing myself through, not through God's enemies. Lastly, this kind of mentality causes us to lose proper perspective by assuming false ideas about what others think of us. Here's the deal. There was no conversation between the spies and the Canaanite people. They didn't sit down at the table and the Canaanites say, we think you're a grasshopper. We're much larger than you. They didn't say anything and yet the spies were basing their perception on conversations that were never had. And they started focusing on the giants in the land instead of how great the grapes were. Wasn't that part of the report? We came back and there is grapes two people can't even carry. There is such fertility in the land. It's amazing. But they forgot all about that and they focused on giants. And so they started comparing themselves and they had false ideas about what others thought of them. Here's what's fascinating is we know what the Canaanites thought about the children of Israel, right? How do we know that? Not from the spies. We find out later when they finally do make it, when they finally do make it to Canaan land, how long did it take them? Because of eight that said we can't do it. 40 years. There are consequences to the way you think and the way that you speak. Is that why I don't believe that? I've seen people that have a critical negative attitude and it has, it has plagued them for their entire life. And then they say, well, I'll never change. All of us are changing. Every single one of us are changing. I've been like this for 53 years. Oh, come on. That is a bunch of baloney. Come on, you want a gunsling? That's a bunch of baloney. You don't get a free pass to come up with stupid excuses. Every single day is an opportunity for you to be better. I've sat in my offices and tried to deal with couples, and I, I know what the solution I don't have all the answers in case you thought I did. Let me, let me help you. I don't have all the answers, and the older I get, the more I realize I really don't have any. <laughs> but there's some situations that are so obvious to me. All you got to do here is just do this. And if you do that, it's going to make a world of difference. I guarantee you, if you do that, it's going to make a world of difference. And, and the things that you're fighting with and the struggles that you're having right now, it is just a slight alteration. And woo, it's going to be smooth sailing. And I'm not even charging you for that. You could go to some family therapist and they'll tell you the same thing, but this is for free. It is that simple. It's that easy. And you know what I get? I tried that. And I just, that's just not me. Well, how about changing you? You know what makes me mad? It makes me so mad. I talked to somebody and they said, well, you know, that's just the way that I am. And so people always kind of throw that out. That's just him being him. How about you take that? Why do you keep doing that? Is that?
that necessary? God's not pleased with that. God wants us to become better. God wants us to always be pushing forward and revival to be breaking out in our life on a daily, consistent basis. You, 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 you can't be really impacted by the anointing of God and the Holy Ghost operating in your life and staying the same way that you are. That is not of God. God always wants to push us forward. He always wants to develop us. He always wants to form us into His image. He's always working on us. He's always working on us. Our thinking sometimes is based on our faulty perspective. What we believe others think is also tainted. Not just comparing myself to others. Sometimes I'm thinking what they, I'm saying what they are saying about me and I haven't even talked. Don't be a grasshopper. Be a Joshua and a Caleb that said we are well able to take the land. I'm going to take my problems and my difficulties and my shortcomings with the attitude of Joshua and Caleb. Yeah, that's a past history in my life. Yeah, my dad is this way. My mom was that way. But you don't have to be what your mom or dad are. You have the opportunity of being who you need to be in God. Praise God. There, there's no constriction that is so powerful that you can't shake out of of, of moldy thinking. I tell some people, this. I, I go back to this very, very often. All right, so this is the way that you were raised. And, and this, this, is, this is good as well. This is good to say as well. Parents try to do the best that they can do and sometimes they fall short. And so there's the offspring come out of even some of the best situations and 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 sometimes parent, they, they don't provide exactly what they need. And in some cases, it's, it's very horrific. In some cases, there are no parents. And in our society nowadays, there's not many strong families that are completely connected anymore. We live in a very interesting world, don't we? Very interesting world. But here's where the rubber meets the road. You have two options with all that you're telling me. You can become just like that and you can live that model behavior. Right? One of, the, one of the amazing things about parenting is there's not a big manual that tells you how to do everything. Right? You just end up with this child and, and, and you're trying to figure all this out and you'll find yourself doing the, some of the same things that your parents and family did. Right? Like, you'll say like crazy stuff like this. This is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. I used to think that was the dumbest thing I'd ever heard when I was a young person. I mean, why would you say that? Just this discipline and get it over with. Why are you saying that? And then you become a parent and you got a discipline. And what do you say? This is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. You start doing stuff. It's because it's behavior that is modeled to you. And so you're going with the flow of that. You don't have to stay there. You can change. So you can either become the same or you can adamantly refuse to be there say, you know what, it's full and fraught with all kinds of inconsistencies and difficulties, but I am not going to be that because I'm trying to be the man that God wants me to be, and Jesus is trying to form me and shape me. I may not always get it right, but this one thing I am doing, I'm striving for that. I want God to form and shape me. I just have an anger problem, and that's just the way it's going to be because that's just the way that I am. That's an excuse. God needs to take your anger problem and put some love in there so that you can serve people instead of being so prickly and confrontational. You say, can that really happen? If it can't happen, then, then we need to shut the doors because all we're doing is just coming in here and we're a social group. But if we believe that there's power in the Holy Ghost, that God can change any person and anything, and I believe that, and I believe there's a people in this place that believe that, God is able to transform anything. He can change anything and empower us to do what we need to do, no matter how great the obstacle is. stand to our feet here tonight in this place and I know, I know I've been shooting at you I hope I hit you I hope you got some bullet holes here tonight 
It's all of us. We're striving to be what God wants us to be. And we want him to mold us and shape us into his image. Hallelujah. I don't want to be shaped into the image of my past. I don't want to be shaped in the image of my failures. I don't want to be shaped by what I think people think. I want to be shaped by the anointing and power of God. And that's the prayer we need to pray tonight. This is the altar service that needs to take place tonight. Is God, I want you to shape me into what you want me to be. I want you to trans, transform my past, transform my thinking, transform my past addictions and problems, transform every obstacle that I face. Praise God. helps us overcome is when we know we're in the battle together. Amen. I want you to reach out and pray for somebody that's close to you. Thank you, Lord. There's a family right here. Family right here. Family right here. Can somebody? Praise God. Thank you, Timothy. I appreciate you doing that, but I'm not talking to you. You're a young person. I want another family to come up here. Sister Susie, praise God. A couple right here. Brother Buddy is here. Another couple. Hallelujah. Amen. Brother Jim Shockley and Faith stepped up. Some elders, praise God. Brother Black, uh, Brother and Sister Condren, pray with them. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Anybody else that feels like, hey, I know what you're doing. I want somebody to pray with me. Anybody else? Raise your hand so I can see it. Praise God. Right here. Amen. Another couple. Quickly, we need a couple over here. Right here. Pray for Matt and Sister Heidi. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Let's lift up our voice together right now. God, we're not taking the grasshopper approach tonight, but we're taking that you're well able to do above and beyond what we could think or ask. Hallelujah. Come on, church. Let's pray together. I thank you, Jesus, and praise you and worship you. Praise God. Ask in your ability and your anointing.
your power, your strength, and your ability and the depth that we feel in the house of God tonight. You are great and you are worthy. Amen. If you're connected to these young people, you can make your way up here tonight on the platform. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. God directs her. How old are you? You're 11. This is an impossibility. Oh, wow. I was not expecting that. Amen. She's 11, and she wants to be baptized in Jesus' name. We want to pray that God directs. Every time I pray with children, I pray, God, let there be a sensitivity in their heart and life all the days of their life. Before stuff can come in and, and create a hardness, life has a way of sometimes doing that. I pray that there's a sensitivity that breaks through and is always there. So we want to pray for her. Let's pray for her together. Lord, we thank you and praise you. Hallelujah. Magnify you and thank you for your goodness and your greatness. I pray that you would direct Constance, that you would guide her. Every step that she takes, let your ability and your strength go with her. We give to you thanks and we praise you. And we ask these things in your great and wonderful name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Constance Jane Payne, we baptize you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. This is Gavin Hudson Payne. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. He received the Holy Ghost this week. Gavin received the Holy Ghost at camp this week. Hallelujah. What are you, 13? 13. 13. Filled with the Holy Ghost. Comes down off the mountain and is going to be baptized in Jesus' name. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you and praise you. Thank you for your power and your ability. I pray that you would use Gavin mightily, that your anointing would go with him every day of his life. We thank you and we celebrate and we worship the Lord together. Praise God. We ask that your covering and your anointing would be upon his life. In Jesus' name we pray. God. Gavin Hudson Payne, I now baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. This is Malia. She goes by Leah. And she has a thousand watt smile. Amen. And because the Holy Ghost exaggerates what was already naturally there. 
Praise God. And she received the Holy Ghost at camp this year. And you're 13, right? 13 as well. Let's pray for her. Lord, we thank you and praise you for your goodness. We magnify you, celebrate. We thank you for what you're doing in this family, among these young people. Praise God. I pray that your anointing and your ability goes with her. Be a strength and anointing to her. We thank you and we worship you. We give to you thanks. you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. This is a this is Elizabeth Don Payne. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 How old are you, Alyssa? What? She is 14. 14, 13, and 11. Thank God for revival among young people. Amen. We want God to direct Alyssa. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you and praise you. We honor you. We stand before you in solidarity. That's what, what is happening tonight is a great work of the Holy Ghost. The blood is applied at baptism, and we are buried with you by baptism into death. We thank you. We praise you. We give to you praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Go ahead, right hand. Alyssa, Beth Dawn Payne, I now baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. week. 